Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Corey Bensfield. Thanks for being on the show, Corey. Thank you, Whitney. Corey is the founder of Structured Wealth Advisors, a fee-based wealth management firm, along with Lake Superior Rents, a property management firm. In 1998, he decided to pursue his first house hack by pursuing a distressed multifamily property with $6,000 down in owner financing. After successfully repositioning the property, he then set a goal to acquire 10 duplexes in 10 years. After hitting his goal early, he decided real estate was fun and continued to buy more properties. Today, his personal real estate portfolio encompasses more than 100 units while generating over $1.2 million in annual rents all from a $6,000 investment from his IRA. I love that. Just these real estate stories like that. It's like, okay, we start, you know, we, we get started, whether it's a house hack or duplex or single family, but then all of a sudden, you know, we, we see what real estate can do for us and we just, we push and grow. And that's what you've done, Corey. And I, I'd love to hear a little more of that story. Tell our listeners a little more about who you are, maybe where you're located and, and let's get to how you got to this $1.2 million in annual rents. Sure. So I, I was actually born and raised in my hometown here where I'm living right now. I left when I was 18, joined the military, and then basically traveled around the country for a while, spent some time in San Francisco. That's where I got my feet wet as a financial advisor, kind of learning the trade. And then had a kind of epiphany on the Golden Gate Bridge one day. It was like a beautiful day. It was like Sunday around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the bridge was just packed full of traffic. It was just back-to-back cars. I couldn't move. And I was looking around saying, what on earth am I doing in the city? And so after that little epiphany, I decided, you know what? I'm going to go back to my hometown. I knew a couple of people that were doing well in real estate. And as you probably know, real estate's a little bit cheaper in the Midwest than out in uh, sunny California. And so I basically moved my practice here and then uh, financial advisory practice. And then while I was building, continuing to build that up, that's when I started looking at real estate. And that's when I found my first little house hack where I used that $6,000 down on a little triplex to get my portfolio started. So you started to, ha- I mean, a house hack was your, was your first real estate investment. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So, so you moved into part of the, or what type of property was that again? It was a triplex. So it had two bedrooms and a studio apartment. And I moved in uh, in the, the two bedroom because that was the only unit that didn't need a ton of work. And then I immediately started working on the other two units. And that's when I kind of caught the real estate bug. After I purchased that property, I was able to basically turn that around, built up about sixty or seventy thousand in equity, and then I used that to purchase my second property. And the goal at the time was, you know, I was still building my investment business. And I thought if I had uh, 10 duplexes, you know, 20 units, and they're all generating three to 400 a month of cash flow, basically by pure math, I would be a millionaire on the side just through my little real estate portfolio. And so I basically hit the 20 unit goal early 
in less than 10 years. And then after that, I started looking around going, okay, what's next? And so that's when I pulled like a Grant Cardone and said, you know what, I'm going to 10X this thing. And what would happen if I made like a million dollars in rents? I think that'd be kind of neat. And so that was the next goal I did. Yeah, be more than neat. That's pretty incredible, right? I mean, that is, that's incredible. So you house hacked, and, and I love that option. Like, uh, I wish I had known about house hacking or that, uh, that option, you know, many, many years ago, you know, looking for that first investment or, you know, even before I was married, just, you know, thinking that way of like, well, maybe I could go buy a small multifamily property and live in one of the units. Like, I just wasn't exposed to that and didn't think that way at that time. But that's incredible that you were able to get started that way. Is that a way that you recommend other people get started? Yeah, I think to me, it's the easiest way to get started because, you know, going back, if I were to do it all over again, I probably would also hack the four unit. And especially with today's financing, you know, you can get a four unit at three to three and a half percent down as long as you live there. So you can get into a, a pretty nice property for a little down, and then you can learn the ropes about being a landlord. And, you know, if you don't like it, just sell the property or if you catch the bug, all of a sudden you got a four unit and then you can basically refi and roll, pull some equity out of that and then move on to the next property. Nice. Yeah, I get that question often about, you know, getting started or actually somebody just at church yesterday was saying, I'd love to talk to you about, you know, getting started and or he and his wife was looking at buying a, a small house or a duplex or something like that and possibly house hacking. And, and it's just a neat, neat option to get your feet wet. Another way to get started, too, is like what you're doing is, you know, someone's a professional and they're just way too busy and they're really focused on their career. Then, you know, you start vetting out a good syndication group. And then you can learn the ropes of syndication by just participating in the programs. And then who knows, maybe you go off on your own and create your own little syndication, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we have investors that do that as well. They may invest on a few deals and learn a lot about the process and then try to do their own deals as well. So, you know, tell me a little about, uh, Corey, just your your process. Okay. You started with the house hack, but to getting to where, you know, to the 100 units to 1.2 million in annual rents, that didn't happen overnight, I'm sure. You know, so tell me a little bit about how you grew this portfolio. Well, after I had the 10 duplexes, I decided I didn't want to go. I want to basically get out of small multifamily, which is four units or less. And I ended up finding a six unit. And that kind of opened the doors for me, like what was possible with uh, commercial financing. And it was with that six unit property that was basically an estate, a sale to a trust department. I built a relationship with this bank. And just from that little six unit alone, I ended up buying the properties across the street, which was another 13 unit through the same trust officer. And then like literally like nine years later, the guy calls me and he has this one property still in that estate. And well, technically it wasn't in the state, it was in the trust at that point, a charitable trust that they're managing. And he had 11 units that I've been trying to buy for years. I call him every year and say, Hey, Tony, if you ever sell, give me a call. And one day, I got the phone call and he's like, you've got trouble with this 11 unit. All these ceilings have been falling down. There's been some shifting on the building. Would you still consider buying that? And I said, let's do it. So I went in there and there was some work to do on it. But it finally went from saying I never will sell that building to becoming a desperate seller just because of some foundation and ceiling issues. So that was pretty instrumental in building the portfolio along with 
I was literally driving for dollars. I'd see a six to 12 unit and I'd say, God, that's a really nice building. I'd go on to the uh, county records, find out who owns it, go to the secretary of state, see where the LLC is held, and then basically just pester the people until they finally sold. And most people say they'll never sell. But then if you stay in touch with them over the years, their life changes and all of a sudden they're selling. That's right. That's right. It, it, things change, don't they? We don't expect them, but you know, things do change. And, and that's just like sending out the yellow cards or whatever people call them, you know, the a direct, direct mail and things like that. You know, you send it to the same person every month for a year. Well, and they, they haven't wanted to sell, but then all of a sudden somebody dies in the family or, or they have to take a job transfer somewhere else or there's different things that happen. Now it's like, okay, you know, then they remember getting that letter in the mail, whatever it was, but you know, you stayed in contact and I think that's, that's key here. Like you stayed in contact with this guy. And so you kept saying, hey, if you ever want to sell, you know, please let me know. And you call back and tell him again. And, and so, you know, how often were you doing that? Or was it like once a year? What was that process? Twice a year. Cause you don't want to be annoying because you know, at this point in time, they don't want to sell, but you want to basically keep the top of mind awareness with the person so that they know, yes, you're still looking because some of these people are like, Oh, I had one deal as a little four unit and it was this little lady named Myrtle and she was amazing. She managing this four unit property all by herself. She'd owned it since the sixties. She was like probably the, her and her husband are probably the third owner. No, I think they were the second owner because the house or the fourplex was built in the 1920s. But it got to the point where I kept, you know, sending her Christmas cards, birthday cards, calling her and she wouldn't say, no, I'm never going to sell. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, you know, she probably just, when she passes, they'll go to the estate. The kids will get to step up and basis. So, so they don't want to deal with the tax hit, you know? And I basically quit mailing her and calling her. And then one day out of the blue, because she still had my business card, like a year later, she calls me and goes, hey, you still want to buy my building? I'm like, oh, Myrtle, I kind of given up on you. And she goes, no, I still want to sell. And I'm, I'm like, well, how much you want for it? She goes, well, I don't know. Let's get an appraisal. So I just bought it at the appraised price. So you never know, you know? Yeah. So you mentioned a few minutes ago about the the opportunities with commercial financing that you realized, you know, after you bought, I think, the sixth unit. What were some of those opportunities that your eyes were open to? Well, by working with uh, smaller regional banks, I discovered that it could get a lot more creative with the financing. So, you know, when you're taking down, you know, a six to a 20 unit, you typically have to come up with about 20 to 25 percent down with all the closing. So... What I started doing was working with some of the sellers and I'd basically say, hey, I'll give you 80% of your purchase price or possibly 70% of it in cash. And then I want you to carry 20% of it. And then I'll come down with, you know, come over with 10% down. So by building relationships with certain regional bankers, they knew me, they trusted me, they've seen what I've been doing. I was basically able to get into some of these deals with, you know, 10% down. And that was, that was a game changer for me because, you know, when you're on your own, self-managing your properties, no partners, lack of capital is always an issue. And so, and being a financial advisor, I really can't go out and do a syndication. I'm not allowed to do that. My firm would really frown upon it. And so I have to do everything on the side here. Of course. Of course. So, and you are also self-managing these hundred units. Is that right? Yes. And, you know, can you elaborate on what that looks like a little bit? I mean, because that's not, I mean, that's a, that's more than a full-time job in itself. So how, how are you managing that? 
you know, surprisingly, once I had the, the 10 duplexes, I discovered it really wasn't that difficult. I mean, I built in some nice systems. You know, I had a handyman. I had 1099 contractors. Pretty much, I had the, the maintenance down. But I discovered that once you, if you screen well and you have really good residents, there's really not a lot of problems that come up, except for, let's say, a leaky roof or a boiler issue. So I discovered that was taking me maybe two to four hours a week manage 20 units. And as a result of that, I, when I started 10X in the portfolio, I just kept adding on new software that could handle more units. And today, you know, like the software I have now at Folio, it, my life is so much easier from back when I started. I mean, these are digital leases. I get text requests for maintenance. And then I just forward the text or the email right to the, the proper, you know, maintenance person and about i'd say the busiest thing or the thing that i would say is the biggest time suck is actually doing the showings and so with showings i try to group them together into multiple showings so let's say uh two o'clock showing it you know on a saturday and you'll get four or five people showing up and then if they're really interested they i tell them well hop on your iphone first one gets the app in and qualifies, they're the first one that gets it. So typically, you create some competition there where people like want the unit right away. And then, you know, an hour or two later, I'm running background reports once again through the software. So it's pretty straightforward. Nice. Yeah, Appfolio sounds like a must-have, you know, especially if you're self-managing. But, you know, Corey, what's been the hardest part of this multifamily business for you? I'd say the toughest part is I'm in a small town, so it's not like a, a bigger city where there's lots of large multi-units they can go ahead and purchase. And things really don't move here because it's, you know, population's about 100,000. And so my biggest challenge is finding the right deal. And the next challenge would be finding the right people in terms of fixing the property because it's really hard to find good tradespeople, you know, that are reliable that don't get thrown in jail, you know, or that don't show up on the job drunk, you know. So it's it's kind of an art and a science trying to find the right people to work with you. And I basically call my current group my little band of misfits. They're all 1099 contractors. They work on their own. But it's it's like herding cats. Some of them are tough tough to work with, but they're loyal to me, and I pay them right away. So they, they stick around. So how do you prepare for this potential downturn that everybody's talking about? Right now, what I'm doing, because the market reminds me a lot of 2007 and even the internet bubble of 2000. There's a lot of criticism against Warren Buffett these days. He's underperformed the market over the last six years. The analysts are wondering why he has over $100 billion in cash, why he doesn't spend it. And... It's funny because that exact same criticism occurred back in 2000 when everyone thought Warren Buffett was dead and lost his touch. And going back to 2007, at around the height of the housing bubble, that was actually one of my greatest challenges because I was losing tenants because they were buying homes. And these were tenants that were pretty marginal, and I was shocked that someone would go get them a, you know, a mortgage. So at this point, the market is looking a little bit toppy. You know, I'm not a big fan of forecasting. It's always better to just stay invested 
as long as you got a good deal. But what I'm doing now is I'm going through my entire portfolio. I'm locking in low interest rates and in all my mortgages. I'm pulling out cash when I can. And I'm basically building up a giant war chest because during the last downturn, I could not get a single banker to lend to me. It was driving me crazy. And so what I'm hoping is going to happen is there's a lot of new investors that are landlords these days. And I think once we hit the downturn or they discover that managing real estate is not that passive, I'm hoping there's going to be some good deals to be had. Yeah, I believe there will be. And, and that, that sounds like a good plan or, and be ready to be able to scoop some up. So what's a way that, that you've recently improved your business that we can apply to ours? Once again, I'm a huge fan of software and apps and technology. So I'm always looking for different little tools that can improve my business. My latest one is this thing called Timesheets. And what it allows me to do is I track all my employees. It's got a GPS locator. And well, tech, they're not employees or independent contractors. But I've discovered by using that Timesheets app, and I can actually see where these people are just to kind of make sure they're showing up on time, you know. And then inadvertently, I started using it on myself because I'm like, where does my time go, you know? <laughs> so I've been using that to kind of track my own time and see what's the, basically the best use of my time. Wow. That's a great tip there, that timesheet. I haven't heard of that one, but I know, there'll, I know there'll be people that will be interested in that for sure. So what's been the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I'd say just grit. I mean, I'm the type of person that I'll set this goal and I don't care what happens. I'm going to hit that goal no matter what happens. And so I just put my nose to the grindstone and just focus on the goal no matter what the obstacle is. That's awesome. You, it being any kind of entrepreneur, you definitely have to have grit. Yes, you <laughs> be do. able to push through. You'll have some bad days. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And before we have to go, uh, tell us how you like to give back. I like rescuing animals and helping out with like the animal shelters, and so that's my number one give back. And then another way, which doesn't really make business sense, but I've inherited a number of tenants on these buildings I've purchased. And some of them, you know, they're on fixed incomes and this sounds crazy, but some of them never raise the rents. So, you know, they're two, 300 months under market, but they're, they're wonderful residents, you know, they're super low key. And I just, I always think like, oh, they're going to move soon. You know, they've been there for 10, 12 years, but they haven't moved. So in one way they're helping me out because I know once they do move, I'm going to have a pretty large CapEx project once they're out of there. So, I mean, to me, the money's great, but you still have to, there's a human factor there when you're managing your right. portfolio. You've got to take care of people because then they'll take care of you. Do you plan to outsource that or hire somebody at some point? Yeah, that's what I'm kind of wrestling with. I'm starting to work now more on some longer range goals. And ah, the problem right now, I just, I'm not happy with the management companies in this town. And so I'm starting to look at some other markets and I may possibly end up just, you know, building a, a portfolio, let's say down in Florida somewhere and where there's really good management companies. And then from there, then I start building, you know, maybe the next stage where I start going after 50 to 100 to 200 buildings. You're just looking for a good reason to get to warm weather, aren't you? Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> so before we have to go, Corey, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. 
best way to get a hold of me is I've got this little blog. It's purely a work in progress, but it's called 10 to million.com. So you spell it all T E N and then the number two and then million.com. And there I periodically put up blog posts and kind of talk about the craft of managing real estate. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.